0: The Fake Show is brought to you by Threads of Envy, the law firm of Hutchison & Steffen, the Craft House Brewery, the Tone Factory Recording Studio, Moonshot.com T-Shirt Designs, and by Mr. Antenna. Now your host, Jim Tofty. There's a chance that you haven't heard of the experimental pop unit Animal Logic that began in 1987, but you may have heard of at least a couple of the band members. Police drummer Stuart Copeland and jazz bassist Stanley Clark, along with vocalist Deborah Holland. Stuart Copeland, of course, rose to prominence with The Police, who would go on to sell 75 million records, making them one of the best selling groups of all time. But I digress as Stuart Copeland joins me now to talk about Animal Logic, later The Police, and being the go to film scoring guy in Hollywood. Good morning, Stuart. Welcome back to the program. Boy, I was elated to hear that you have new material from your band, Animal Logic, or at least two new tracks anyway.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, it has always been a joy to work with Stanley Clark and Deborah Holland. Stanley, because he's just, you know, he's a bass player. I'm a drummer. I like to bang stuff, and he holds, uh-huh. uh, he makes it actually musical with that bass of his.
0: How did the uh, this reunion of sorts happen?
1: At a reunion is a little bit dramatic. And <laughs> we've stayed in touch over the years. Nowadays, different from olden times when you join a band, that's what you do as your day, full-time job. Nowadays, people plan several bands uh, at the same time, yeah. and collaborating is a much le- you know you don't have to go to the man, you don't have to get a record deal, and do it on such a formal basis. Really, what happened is that Deborah wrote some really cool songs, sent them to Stanley and, and me, and said how about it we said cool and uh any excuse uh to get together do something creative and so we came up with these songs actually we came up with quite a few songs um I think mostly she's going to use for her solo album. A couple of them were more Animal y so we're doing it uh, called Animal Logic.
0: I remember seeing you and Animal Logic perform. I think it was Letterman in the late '80s, and just loved it. It was it was kind of cool to see you in this different environment. You must have loved it too.
1: It was, it was making pop music with the, one of the foremost jazz musicians on the planet was kind of a challenge. You know, we're such hot shot musicians. Can we make uh, pop music, you know, popular music? And um, we did pretty well. Then Stanley and I both got uh, lured away by the siren song of um, uh, Hollywood. And we suddenly both at the same time, our careers as um, film composers kind of took off at the same time. And, and next Time we looked around, a couple of years had gone by, and um, Animal Logic was kind of left left hanging.
0: You did tour for a bit. I mean, I think, yeah. I'm trying to recall, but I think, didn't Andy Summers actually play a little bit of guitar with you guys, too?
1: Well, way in the beginning, um, our first shows, I can't even remember why they happened. Andy Summers came with Stanley and I and Deborah down to uh, Brazil just to play some fun shows down there. yeah. And at that time, we were called Rush Hour, uh, and then got home from that, thought Rush Hour. What a, what a drag. What a bummer name. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> uh it was actually my brother Miles, who's kind of a genius with naming things. Yeah. You know, he named the first three police albums and, and so on, uh, he came up with the name Animal Logic.
0: Nice. And, I mean, just playing in that band anyway, There, it, it had to be great without all of the responsibilities and the baggage, maybe, that came with being in the police?
1: Absolutely. It was our own deal again. You know, the police became such a huge monster that it didn't kind of belong to the three guys anymore. It was an industry, and we were just cogs in the machine. Um, ghosts in the machine, as it were. Yeah, uh, Almost any other band is a lot more fun just on that basis, you know, I'm not talking musically, just
0: structurally. Um, I listened to Can You Tell Me in Ordinary, the tracks that have been released from Animal Logic, the new ones, and the harmonica is so cool on this. That's Howard Levy, isn't it, from Bella Fleck?
1: Yeah, uh, this record was... These songs were pretty much produced by Deborah Holland, and she pulled all these elements together. uh, And yes, absolutely, that is a very cool thing.
0: Stuart, and seeing drummers in general, you are part of this, uh, this huge community, and it is very much a community, and I know how much love and respect you had for your friends Neil Peart and Taylor Hawkins, as they did you. Really a mutual admiration society, isn't it, with drummers?
1: Well, yeah, throw Ginger Baker in there. Yeah, uh, and Charlie, uh, it's been a rough year for drummers. But yeah, it's true, the drummers get along with each other much better than, say, guitarists, because we like other banging and clattering around us It kind of gives us more to work with, more rhythm around us, makes us happy. Whereas guitarists, another guitarist on stage, um, is competition. Uh, so drummers generally are... Most, actually, we bond well with bass players, too. You know, because bass players... Why does a band need a bass player? You know, to translate for the drummer, and uh, when the guitarist and the keyboard player they're talking about the F sharp minor, whatever the hell that is, you know, um, the bass player can explain to the drummer that they're not talking about him. They're talking about this thing called music, and uh, and he he knows what he's, he knows what fret that F sharp is. He's not quite the bass player's not quite sure about the minor part, but he knows where an F sharp is. And he can explain that to the drummer.
0: Um, you've d- you brought it up before. Uh, you've done such great work in TV and film. And what was that like getting that call from Francis Ford Coppola for Rumble Fish, which is maybe my favorite thing that you have done on film?
1: Well, <clears throat> well, in full ignorance, it was real exciting. Little did I know that it would result in 20 years before the mask as a hired gun, flinty-eyed um, <laughs> uh, film composer. Yeah, and uh, I really learned a lot from him. I mean, it was uh, wasn't art. Film composing isn't art; it's more craft. But you learn so much because working for the man, you got to go do stuff that an artist would never bother with. So you get a forced education in, in uh, all different areas of music. Orchestra, for instance, I never would have learned how to score for mighty orchestra if it hadn't been Francis Coppola turning around one day and saying, "You know what? I think we need some strings here." So I had to go hire a string section and figure out how to use them, and thereby uh, derived a great education.
0: What was the first thing you did? Because I, I th- for me, I think the first thing I remember hearing you do was the Equalizer, the original TV, or, or was Rumblefish way before that?
1: Rumblefish was the first time I put music to picture. Yeah. And there were a couple of other forgettable music movies. Equalizer was really the boot camp, where you—episodic TV, where you a show comes in on Tuesday— you turn it around, you score it, and you ship a score out Friday, period. As long as there's something on the tape, your job is done. You haven't got time for judgment, for hesitancy or anything. You just go st- cut straight to the chase, as it were, and you, you just do it. And very quickly, you learn where to look in your brain for the good stuff. And I've learned since that under the gun like that, under that high pressure, that's some of the best work I ever did was when i didn't have time to think
0: yeah you might have too much time to just screw up what is already you know well done right
1: well you get on, you get on a roll you know the ideas come and you just run with it and you run with it and you run with it You, i would say this to any of your listeners who are an artist or want to be one just get rid of that undo button just go forward go forward forward <clears throat> and if at first you don't succeed keep going and it'll get better and uh don't Judge yourself, and that you know that's that's What I learned from being on, in the pressure cooker is that just do it. Just don't. Every note doesn't have to be your finest hour. Just keep going.
0: By the way, I love what I've seen and heard of your Police Deranged tour. Is that something that where there may be more dates going forward? Because it sure was great.
1: Oh yeah, I'm having so much fun with that. Songs that people know. They're always a winner. You know, I go out and I play, I write my operas and so on. I had an opera uh, premiere in Italy this year, and another one opera uh, uh, opened in Germany last year. So I'm doing new music, which gives me kind of license to look backwards. If I'm moving forward, I'm not afraid of looking backwards. And songs that people know are just so powerful. And you put a big, bad orchestra around them, and I got three soul sisters on the mic. Uh, uh-huh. so that's a it's it, I just like burning down the building. That's something that musicians all
0: enjoy doing. Stuart Copeland and Animal Logic, the two new singles, are on all the major digital platforms. Stuart, always enjoy talking to you. Thanks so much for your time.
1: Yeah pleasure.
0: You know, the last time Stewart and I talked, we got into the subject of Sting and how they didn't get along all the time. And might there be another police reunion tour? Because the last one was so great. But he said as much as he would consider it, the chances were about 1%. Well, that does it for this episode of The Fake Show podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Jim Dofty. I'll see you next time. Listen to The Fake Show anywhere on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and thefakeshow.com.